Faith Fit Radio and the Diocese of Orlando presents Ex Nihilo with Father Martin Wen and Steve Bucklin, a program that is seeking to lead young adults to Christ and to enkindle a deeper faith that is fully alive. Now, here are your hosts. Well, hello everyone. Father Martin is back. Thank goodness, because uh, we had to take a whole week off after me and Father Chris co-hosting in your absence. So, Oh my, did you miss you me, You look folks? amazing. You are golden tan. You look like, I mean, all that hot I oil you use. I still look yellow. Use, it is, you look golden. <laughs> you look like somebody stuck you under a heat lamp. <laughs> golden Did brown. you enjoy the beach? It was good. We <laughs> Of the week that we went, it stormed every afternoon. Bad, Which bad is exactly storm. what you were hoping for. So yes. You wouldn't actually have to go. But you, you know, know what we haven't done? Do we welcome anybody to the podcast, do we? Oh, yeah. Well, hey, welcome to Ex Nihilo, by the way. Father Martin <laughs> and Steve Buckland back at the controls of the Mad Podcast. That is it. I hope everybody has had a good summer. And those who, with children up and the kids that returned to school, now you've got a chance to just breathe and get on with your life. Exactly. So, But back to the beach. So it stormed every day. So that made it you happy. It stormed every day. But... See, I share the room with my mom. We have two beds, but she is a very early riser. Okay. And like so what's this early? Six, like eight? Like 4 a.m. 4 a.m. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's early. That's that early. is very early, and I really wanted to sleep in, and she prayed a rosary at 4 o'clock in the morning, and I could hear the rosary rattle. I'm oh. like, oh, <laughs> I'm up. You are a light sleeper. That would not bother me. Oh, I, I was. I, I was. sleep through thunderstorms, so... <laughs> So, but, but but it was a good chance to to relax, and I share with my parishioners as well. Everyone, everyone needs a chance to just go off somewhere and be in silence and catch up and let the dust settle and re- recenter. When you're a dad with seven kids, you know where that is. It's called the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That's your true. moment of silence. You just have to enjoy it. Well, last so. But in any event, well, we're glad you're back. Uh, we got several. The the the, the hero podcast um, was a very turned out to be very divisive. Everyone the, of the ten of our ten listeners, five hated it and five loved it. So. <laughs> what what people are not fan of superheroes? I don't know. I don't. I think we just didn't hit on the heroes they liked. Is probably what it was. You're, Although I had one person tell me that they don't do fantasy, whatever that means. I don't. I don't do fantasy. I'm like, okay. Sorry about that. Well, um, you know, we'll pray maybe the you. next one will be more to your liking. We'll talk about not fantasy. So We'll talk about monastic life. We're going to talk about monastic life. Real so this life is actually superheroes. Real life superheroes. Uh, for, for me, they're like the heroes of the heroes. True. For a variety of reasons. But uh, today we're actually going to talk about the Trappists. So they are, uh, they've been around for a while, have they not? They have. They have. But just to go back to the beginning, really... Uh, as you know, in the early church, when the church has just been formed, there was a lot of persecutions, there was a lot of martyrdom, and that is the one way to be looked at as a, a pathway to holiness, that, you know, you give up your life for Christ, and that's how you become holy. But when Christianity was legalized, and there was really no persecution anymore, and the people were longing for that path to perfection, and that that gave rise to uh, the birth of monastic life, right? And certainly, we have to mention Saint Anthony of the Desert, and of course the, the father. Hermits. That's right. Yep. And then the father of monastic life, uh, which is Saint Benedict yep. uh, in the West. 
Benedict created his uh, his order, the Benedictines, and he was the first one really to consolidate and wrote this, a set of rules. And you know about that; it's the the, the rules of Saint Benedict, uh, really the foundation of uh, religious life in right. general. And those really just outlined how you were to live, how Correct. you were to live, how you were to pray, and it's very kind of a very strict um, regimen. Uh, that was designed to increase your holiness and get, right. bring you closer to God. But but Benedict was the rules of Saint Benedict was so great in the sense that it's practical, it's strict, it's structured, but it's practical. And he's really uh, based on the two principles, ora et labora, to pray and to work. That's like the foundation of monastic life. Right. The monks don't just pray all day and floating around in, uh, on the clouds. No, they, they work hard with their hands, and then they pray hard as well. And for them, you know, they, they eat what they, they create, and then they pray in connection with the Lord. Uh, but then we, when the mon- monastic life becomes so appealing, it draws a lot of people. It does. It drew a lot of people, and when you have a lot of people, it is always drama. Mm-hmm. Even from the very beginning, when when Benedict there's drama, and there's just the three of us in here. We've got Wee Cat, you and me, and we have drama. I know Wee Cat really? is like the source. Wee Cat is like, like the source opera. of all the dramas because he complained so much. And he was causing drama this afternoon <laughs> on the way in. <clears throat> but in any event, going back to St. Benedict, some people were not a fan of his strict uh, rules and they tried to kill him. Even his monks tried to poison and assassinate the founder. And it's crazy. Of their order. At, of their order. Uh, but in the Middle Ages, the Benedictine was powerful. Yep. They were rich, they were powerful. Uh, all the noble people want to send their kids over to the monasteries and make them powerful uh, to become abbots. It's like a bishop, and then so they have all these uh, authority. And so the Trappists, this gave birth to the Trappists. Right, some well, uh, before we get to the Trappists, there was okay. a, we gotta, we, you're jumping ahead. There's, there's a, yeah, you went right from Benedictine. <laughs> we skipped over the Cistercians. That's right. Well, we, we, we gotta, were trying that's to... That's like get... going to Disney World without getting on I-4. It's just... It's not possible. That's back road. Yeah, and that's four twenty nine. I don't know. But well, anyway, so talk about the Cistercians. So you've got so you have the the Benedictines who are rolling along, and then uh, then comes the order of Cistercians. So they were cloistered. So the, the Cistercians were not. They didn't want to go out into the world and do stuff or or bring people in. They were basically cloistered. They're like you know, we're gonna go away and we're gonna do our thing and we're gonna do it behind closed doors. But the good news is we're praying for all of you. Right, mm-hmm. uh, and then eventually they became known as Trappists later. So right, the Cistercians would become known as Trappists, and really they didn't get going kind of on their own um, until the late 1800s. And the reason they call them Trappists is because this particular branch originated in the La Trappe Abbey, uh, which is um, in the French province of Normandy. Right, which is still there. The birth of these uh, orders like the Cistercians and the Trappists. Uh, came from a desire to go back to the intention of their founder, St. Benedict, which is upholding the poverty and and the simplicity of their life, focusing really into the path of perfection. It's not so much about power. It's not so much about you know gaining influence, but going back to the essential. Right. And so uh, the trappers have a beautiful but strict, very strict rule in regard to poverty. Um a few years ago, I, I got a chance to watch a video of a funeral of a Trappist monk. 
Hmm. And it was incredible. They're not even buried in a casket. Do you know that? Right, right. Yeah. Well, they really take so. When you're religious, you take not only do you um, you take vows, right? And you, your part of your vows are to follow the evangelical councils, to the council of chastity, poverty, and obedience. That becomes your life. So, right. chaste to your state in life, obedient to your order, to your abbot, mm-hmm. and uh, you are poverty. So you don't have any possessions. You rid yourself of all worldly possessions. Um, and the interesting thing about the Trappists is, is you know, the Benedictines, one of the rules was, um, although they don't take a vow of silence, that they are to live in silence. Right. That the speech is only, you only speak when it's absolutely necessary. necessary. Yep. So WeCat and I actually visited a Trappist monastery um, three, three years, years ago. ago. Yeah, we went to, do you remember where we went? Scourmont. Scourmont Abbey in Belgium, which is the home of... Uh, a very wonderful order of Cistercians, Trappist monks. Pretty famous, actually. Very famous <laughs> for a reason we'll get into a little bit later. Um, but when you arrive on the Abbey, it's just, it's incredibly peaceful. Mm-hmm. Um, guests are welcome to stay for the whopping sum of six euros a night. Um, and you can stay many days and you can join the brothers in morning prayer. So they, they pray liturgy of the hours and you can go and do work with them in their fields. Um, but it's all, it's very, very quiet. It's very, very calm. There are chapels everywhere. It's its an amazing kind of experience. You talk about a vacation mm-hmm. and about getting away and enjoying some silence. The Trappist monasteries are a heck of a way uh, right. to do that. And, and the beautiful thing about their life is they detach themselves from from distractions, really. Because if for them, anything aside from God is a distraction. Right. Even when they work, even <clears throat> when they're in conversation, it ought to li- lift their mind to God. And and for me, that is the appeal of this life. I'm not quite sure I could ever be able to, to embrace this lifestyle, but there is an appeal to it. Mm-hmm. Because they go back to the essential. They, they go back to what truly necessary that is God and God alone. Now, that is my appeal to this particular order. And they, they have some amazing um, uh, trappists over the, the, the recent years, like, um, what's his name? Uh, Merton, Thomas Merton. Mm-hmm. Th- yes. Uh, was one of the well-known trappist monk. And then the eight monks that was uh, martyred in uh, Algeria. Mm-hmm. We're all Trappists. It was all Trappists. Now, that is the appeal that I find in this order. But Steve and <laughs> Weekhead have a particular fondness of uh, the Trappists for one reason. Well, there's a couple of reasons. A couple of There's reasons. a primary reason. So while they're, while they're in these beautiful uh, monasteries and things, um, and they have all the gardens, there's they need to keep them fresh. So... You know, in this day and age, it's not just enough to farm. You got to air condition in your buildings, or at least provide heat. You got to have food, and so the Trappists needed some way to support their lifestyle. And so um, they are probably most famous, uh, and most people who have ever heard the word Trappist would associate it with one of three things: probably beer is mm-hmm. what probably what they're most well known for. Um, soaps, also cheeses, and uh, other like baked candies, good candies, candies and, and, and honey and stuff. Yeah, and so uh, they're actually over. They're over, I, I believe, 170 different Trappist monasteries around the world. But the ones that Ethan and I were weak at were more concerned with were the Trappist monasteries that brew beer. Mm-hmm. And believe it or not, there's they used to all be in Belgium except for the one in France and one in the Netherlands, and now there's one in the United States. Oh yeah, where? All you have to do is shoot up 95 for about <laughs> 20 hours. 
from Orlando. Only. Only 20 uh, hours. And then hang a left just after you get into Massachusetts, and you'll find yourself at the Spencer Brewery and Abbey, which is the only certified Trappist uh, brewery in the United States. And uh, they, you can find find their beers actually here. But uh, but probably the most well-known of all the Trappist beers is Chimay. If you've ever been to any kind of bar, you'll see Chimay. Blue, red, white. Um, and actually, for the last seven years, Trappist beers have been ranked number one in the world in the World Beer Competition. Well, on West that, Lateran 12. On, on, that, on that topic, there is a beautiful Latin proverb, uh, and I'm going to share with you, okay. which says, and this comes from the Trappist as well, and the land phrase is qui bibit dormit, qui dormit non pecat, qui non pecat sanctus es. He who drinks sleeps, he who sleeps doesn't sin, and he do- who doesn't sin is a saint. Ergo qui bibit sanctus es, he who drinks is a saint. Well, that that wow. just wow! I didn't realize I could Mind attain blown. sainthood before I died. Now, this is not for the moment advocating <laughs> drinking, but this is the philosophy that uh, apparently the trap is that's considered a proverb: "He who drinks sleeps, and he who sleeps doesn't sin, and he who well, doesn't sin is a saint." <laughs> exactly, exactly. See, and so there's a lot more. And one of the things that's always comforting is when you are raising a glass, which we do always in moderation. Uh, is to know that your beer's holy, that it was made uh, by religious brothers uh, working hard, right. and that you're supporting their lifestyle when you when you support their products. So, and and essentially, it's it's a reminder that you know all things are created for the the the, the happiness and the pleasure of men. Mm-hmm. Uh, people can y- easily abuse things, but alcohol, God has allowed alcohol to you know happen. For the, well, well, I don't a drink. Couple of reasons. So I don't drink. I mean, well, period. you you should have a beer once in a while. It would be good for you. So, once a year. Once a year. So, I mean, you, you mentioned alcohol, and in, in kind of in history, alcohol and beer in particular. You know, speaking particularly about beer, beer was one of the only safe ways to consume water. So, you know, they have beer recipes. They found beer recipes going back as far as five thousand years BC. So, seven thousand years ago, um, they found beer residue in in uh, clay jars in Egypt. Um, in Mesopotamia, um, you know, so for a long, long time, the process of, of fermenting, uh, you know, basically wheat with water and wild yeast was always a safe way to, to consume water. If for the monks in particular, um, during times of fasting, when during Lent and an Advent, when they would not be eating, they would essentially was, you know, they called it the liquid bread of life because they would make a stronger <laughs> beer, right? So they wouldn't actually, and it had, a, and it has lots of nutrients. The, the, the higher-end beers are loaded with complex B vitamins. So, so here's a trick question for, for Steve. You. Here's a trick question for Steve. Do you drink a lot of safe water? I, I don't drink safe water. <laughs> I just drink beer. <laughs> I, I have a feeling that we're going to be edited in this portion. No, no, no. See, there's, there's a lot to this. It's not just, you know, there, there's, it's not just craziness and we're not just uh, – it's, it's hard to be a Trappist – to be, become a Trappist beer because it actually has to be made like from start to finish by the brothers. It can't just be contracted sure. out. So, you know, there's a lot of saint this beer and saint that beer, but um, – but those that right now there's only eight Trappist abbeys that actually brew beer because wow. that then you know and they have their own little symbol and everything but it's actually done by the monks um, and then there there are many other um, there are trap other Trappist abbeys uh, here in the United States some in uh, Arizona uh, there's a few um, up in the Mid Atlantic and uh, up and around Washington D C 
um, where they make products they'll do they do honey um, they do cheeses they do jams and things and all those are sold to support those abbeys so while the beer producing abbeys are very famous um, many of the other trappist and you can find them online and stuff um, so just a shout out for, yeah, for our dear listeners support our the brothers the monks and look them up online i'm sure you will you should be able to find them yep yep uh, it's just a quick google to trappist anything and you can pretty <laughs> much find it <laughs> trappist anything trappist products near me hit go here we go right, comes right up uh so. but now you did mention that you and we cat went to a monastery to visit we did so what, what was it like i mean aside from the beer part uh you t- get a chance to talk to any of the monks we did we were <laughs> met when we first ironically when we walked in uh, we stayed there's a little inn we stayed at this across the street and then up a long walk like a half mile about a half mile walk it looked like you were walking through Middle Earth, so all our fantasy people are going to be mad that I brought that up again. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it was just like there was all these tall trees and green ferns, and within about 50 steps, you were just lost in this in the forest. And then you kept walking down the path, and eventually it opened up, and there was this great stone wall. And, you know, we would go inside, and the first guy to kind of greet us as we walked in the big uh, double wooden doors was Brother... Do you remember uh, Edward, I believe. Brother Edward, yeah. And Brother Edward, of course, greeted us with... A beer in his hand. <laughs> so we knew immediately we were in the right place. <laughs> uh, and but but the whole thing, like I said, because it because they although they don't observe the vow of silence, they they don't they make sure that you know they keep talking to a minimum. Right. He was cordial and greeted us obviously, mm-hmm. um, and let us know that we could we were welcome to go anywhere to spend as much time as we wanted here. Um, and then, you know, they had a gift shop. So we spent our time. We walked around, went to their chapel, which is incredibly bare. They had, you know, one image uh, of, of, of Jesus, one image Above of the, altar. the Blessed Mother. Yep. And that was it. The rest of it was just stark white walls, very, very plain benches. Um, they had a really beautiful contemplative garden where the brothers uh, over the years had been buried. Um, and then the, then when we got done with kind of our tour and our and our time there, we walked through the gift shop, which was probably one of the most interesting things. Mm. It had beautiful hand wood carvings that the brothers had done. It had, I mean, just amazing decorations, and there wasn't a price on any of it. There was recommended. There was a recommendation. So we we, at, we went and asked <laughs> Brother Edward, you know, for a few particular things, and you know, there wasn't any price on these, and you know, how much is it? And he goes, whatever you feel like you can donate. That was the answer. And there was no cash register, and nobody to check you out. There was just basically a little, you know, bucket by the door with a slot. With a slot. That's interesting. And that was it. And I'll tell you, I mean, you know, we were all just kind of like, well, how much? I don't know. It's a great tactic, I'm sure. <laughs> sure. But, but you know, but but it's just, it's such a level of, of trust. You know, you, you it, it, to say that it was incredibly calm, and I mentioned that before, is an understatement. It was, you know, you could, I could easily, you know, if I had the time, uh, could go back there, not as a visitor, but just to go and, sure. and, you know, pay the six euros and stay with them for a few days and just kind of, you know, get up for morning prayer and, three in the morning and you know and I, I was gonna make a retreat over with the trappist uh monks a couple of weeks back but then i got cheap and didn't want to pay for the plane you ticket done it yeah but but i have however lived in a monastery for a few days for a retreat and and steve has brought this up a couple of times that the monks the monks keep the talking to bare minimum only when absolutely necessary uh, and I experienced that during their meals, actually. Yeah. 
they they always eat in common. They always eat together. That is the rule because the monks observe the fraternity, but they'll always talk. Yeah. And, and it's interesting to see the the closeness and the communion with each other. It goes beyond the the sounds and the noise and the talking that we make. And it's a challenge for us, I think, in the society because sometimes I think we we just need to feel. Our conversation with a lot of a lot of noises, but not a lot of substance. Well, it's funny. I mean, we mentioned Saint Benedict at the beginning, and and I was just looking at this piece here. Generally, you know, Saint Benedict kind of describes speech as is taking away from one's quietude and receptivity, mm-hmm. and it's the receptivity I think that you're kind of hitting on here. In that, you know, for a lot of us, speech is a crutch. Mm-hmm. So when we talk to each other, it's just kind of this way where we can communicate. But when we eliminate words and our communication happens through largely nonverbal cues, it requires us to be far more attentive of each other. Right. And and more anticipatory. And I think it breeds a deeper sense of charity um, within ourselves because we don't have the luxury or the crutch of speech. Right, 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 right. And it's something we, you know, it, it, it does have a profound impact on you because now I have to focus on you. And your facial expressions and your body movements and, you know, it's not – so, you know, in communication, so much of what we do is, is what we see, you know, not what we hear. Is, is that what you've been trying to do with me? I thought you were giving me the, the silent treatment. You were just trying to, to communicate non-verbally? Exactly. What I'm trying to do is <laughs> to develop a deeper relationship. I just ignored you. Yep, that's fine. <laughs> I'm not shocked. <laughs> You're back, and already I wish Father Chris was back. Oh, that's all right with me. I, I can I can always quit. Oh my gosh, here come I don't think the drama. The bishop would let you quit. Here comes here the comes drama. the drama. See, even when three people are in the room, we just we did that just for everybody. Oh, uh, but I so. guess let's let's see if we can give our audience something to take away. What is our discussion about the Trappist? Uh, I think there's a couple of things to take away from the Trappist. I think one. It is as you. We would encourage everyone to um, just take a few moments and learn a little bit more about monastic life. The Trappists, obviously, for for the reasons we kind of underlined, are very well known. But um, but the way they live, and and more importantly, the why, the how mm-hmm. they go about living their lives, and and the reason for doing that is something that's worth learning about. Um, it's worth reading and exploring and discovering. You know, why do these people feel so called? to leave their lives, mm-hmm. come together as a, as a very tight-knit community for in essentially really in service to the rest of us sure. who aren't willing to leave. You know, they're there praying for our salvation and working in a sense in the fields, in their own fields, so that they can pray on our behalf. And it's not just, you know, we don't want it to sound like it's a selfish thing. Well, I pull myself out of the world so I can be closer to God. I can only be closer to God if I'm bringing everyone along with me right. because we're one body. I think recently in the documents about monastic and religious life, uh, the the Holy Father and the Sacred Congregation for uh, for clergy and religious has said that you know these men and women who dedicate them, their lives to you know silence and prayers are like the backbone because they 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 give us the support necessary for us to go out and do our apostolate. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is them who support us. It's like the the. The heart pumping blood, bringing yep. nutrition to to us, different organs to function properly, 
And so there is a beauty, there is an attraction to this life that they're leading. Now, as a recommendation from, you know, brother nerd over here who loves to read. Uh, father nerd? Father nerd. Father nerd. <laughs> brother nerd. Maybe you could be brother nerd. You could be brother father nerd. But if you get a chance, check out the story, uh, the book from uh, from Thomas Merton, The Seven Story uh, Mountain, or No Man is an Island. He is a brilliant spiritual writer. Uh, and to see how he described his his struggle, his wrestle with God, and and somehow truly find a gift of peace when he surrender everything and enter the monastic life. Um, and the last shout out is you know obviously uh, our the monks work very hard and they are necessary. So there's plenty of products that they that yes they provide. <laughs> Again, would you them. like me to read off the eleven uh, breweries allowed to display the Trappist product? Uh, logo. So those would be Brasserie de Rochefort from Belgium. That was opened in 1595. Then you have the Brewworks Trappist West Malle, or West Mal. That's also in Belgium, 1836. You have the probably the most famous because they've had the number one rated beer in the world for years. That's West Lateran or the Saint Sixtus Abbey, also in Belgium from 1838. Beerus de Chimay, which is uh, probably brews more than any. They brew the most. Um, they brew a lot, actually. They opened Belgium in 1863. Uh, Brasserie d'Orval, which has the little fish on it. Have you ever seen those? That was uh, 1931. You got the brewery of St. Benedict uh, in Achel, Belgium. Uh, that was 98. And then those are all the Belgian breweries. And then you've got um, two in the Netherlands. So La Trappe, which is where the Trappists originated from. Right. Um, they haven't been brewing as beer as long, even though the, the monastery has been there for hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, and then you also have... Uh, the brewery of Maria Tovelucht, which is in uh, Netherlands. One in Italy, Fontaine. One in Austria, Sift Engstel. And then St. Joseph's Abbey and Spencer Mass here in the United States. So, If you were here in front of me, you will realize that Steve has done an extensive research on on the topic and he had got all these notes and I thought you I know. had to try all of them just so our <laughs> listeners would know the only one I couldn't get my hands on was the West Lateran you have to actually go to the monastery this is the crazy part people they have such a strict rule on the beer they only brew an, as much as they need so even though it's ranked number one in the world and everyone wants to get their hands on it they make very very little of it because they'll only brew enough to pay for their needs they won't make any more than that so when you go there you have to get it. You have to register in advance. You have to have a reservation. You get six bottles, and that's it. And if you miss your time, you're done. You don't have a chance to buy anymore. I find it so fascinating because my my classmate would attest that I am a staunching person against drinking, and here I am having a half an hour conversation with Steve about beer. But is it that you don't like... It's a holy beer. It is holy beer. <laughs> yeah, it's proof that God loves you and wants you to be happy. I don't know why you're walking away from it. It's a beautiful thing. Maybe that's why I am always so gloomy I think the key is, sad. like, with everything else, it doesn't matter what it is. There's chocolate, hamburgers, fried food, All things beer, in moderation. moderation. Exactly. That's right. But anyway, I guess that concludes our conversation today. Check out all these wonderful monks who... Support tr- your local Trappist. Right. And, um, and if you ever want to stop by the cathedral to drop off any Trappist products for Father Martin or me, feel free. <laughs> Mainly for Steve, I think. <laughs> Father Martin Although needs Father, soap. He needs yeah, soap. Father Martin needs soap and honey. So if you find soap and honey, uh, feel free to bring that by. So. All right. So may God bless you and have a wonderful week. Amen. 
Faith Fit Radio and the Diocese of Orlando presented Ex Nihilo with Father Martin Wen and Steve Buckland. Thank you for listening. Check out the podcast at faithfitradio.org and tune in next time. May you be blessed with peace and joy.